Hi, welcome to The Conversation. I'm Gretchen, and this is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode 34, where we are continuing our Amplify Black Voices series. In this episode, Christy interviewed her friend Jessica, who is also a mental health therapist, as well as owns this really awesome website where you can get mental health teas. Christy and I have both purchased t-shirts from her and wear them frequently. We're really excited to have her on the podcast. We hope that you enjoy. So today I'm very excited to welcome my friend Jessica Gurley. I said it right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jessica and I met through a friend of ours and we started a community wellness collaborative. So it's been Mm -hmm. so nice to get to know other therapists in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. who care about the community and giving back. And I'll share a quick personal thing. When COVID started, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this but Jessica and I we had first started this group and so we had to like talk about something and I remember at the time I was really struggling with like trying to hold down work and just like working too much and really being like at my ropes end yeah (laughs) and you called and I just recalled you being like oh how's it going I'm like not good (laughs) and you're like should I call you back I'm like no uh, you're stuck with me. I got to talk to somebody. And right. you were so helpful. And that's why I said, Jessica, please be my therapist. But I want you to be my friend. <laughs> right, right. You were just so helpful in talking about self-care and mm-hmm. reminding, you know, professionals that we need to be the ones taking care of ourselves. So right. I welcome you to the podcast and can't wait to see what our conversation brings. Yeah. So. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you work, what you do? Okay. So right now I I do work full time for a hospital, but my side business is Social Work Consulting and Counseling, LLC, and we provide uh, customized presentations on mental health. Um, We also do provide therapy as well as mental health t-shirts. Yes, which we are wearing. You can't see them. We'll have to take a photo. Um, so the mental health t-shirt line is focused on basically um, bringing more awareness to going to therapy and seeking help when you need it and hopefully reduce the suicide rate because we we learn especially being a therapist and being in groups like once people have permission to talk about their mental health and they feel comfortable talking about it that's when they start to heal mm-hmm. and so I think it for far too long we allowed um, our own ego and pride and just stigma related to mental health to have us just like really keep all that in and I really think it's time that we release that and and talk about our mental health and show and show how cool it is to talk about your mental health right so once you start talking about your mental health you know you can actually start laughing about it and, and, and understanding that we are more alike than what we think we are right right and, and and we don't no no longer have to feel like a robot mm-hmm. or or that you have to keep it to yourself or right that somebody won't understand or that they won't care right because exactly. so many people do care and when they you do. start having these conversations Right. Then you start to realize, like you said, we're more alike than not. Right. Absolutely. So that's what I do. And I love what I do. Oh, well, we're happy to have you. And I like to call us the sandwich generation when it comes to mental health because mm-hmm. it feels like we've had to do so much work with our parents about right. like, yeah. okay, like, or that's just the way that it was. Or we don't talk about that. It's like, no, we want to talk about that. And we want to teach kids how to talk about these things right. and normalize it. Have you noticed... 
any sort of shift in that, like, in mm-hmm. your work, like, that people are more open to coming in for counseling? Yeah, so especially when I work with older adults, they're like, man, I wish I had a therapist 20 years ago or 10 years ago, or they're like, with certain situations, they kind of draw a line, and they're like, look, you're supposed to just deal with stuff like that. Like, I'm coming to you about my emotions, but I'm not ready to talk about this part of my life, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is one that completely made, uh, you know, she went full circle and started to do therapy when she she believed in it but she didn't realize how impactful it can be Mm -hmm. until she started going to my events and hearing me speak and start listening to other people's stories so yeah i think we're definitely breaking down some walls and like you said we're affecting both generations the younger generation and the older generation absolutely Mm -hmm. i gotta send my mom to hear some of your speeches because she she will say, oh, you're my therapist. No, parents out there that have children as therapists, no. <laughs> they cannot be your therapist. Or Absolutely even family not. members or friends. Like, there's right. really, um, can you talk a little bit about the benefit of having the unbiased opinion? Absolutely. So, you you do have a lot of people say, like, my best friend's my therapist. And it's just like, no. So, um the example I always give is like it's not good to talk to your friends or family members because they always have in the back of their mind something that you might have did to them like five or ten years ago and they have their own perception of who you are and you really want to have somebody there that has a clean slate and really just seeing you as a blank piece of paper and seeing you for who you are mm-hmm. because I always make the joke that you know you might be talking to your best friend but she's thinking about you know five dollars you owe her <laughs> from right. the pizza you guys ordered <laughs> do you not have my (laughs) yeah like i mean by the way i mean i know you're going through something but by the way i really would like that five dollars right right right. (laughs) well exactly what you said too about having this conception of this is what i want for your life right exactly Mm -hmm. right absolutely somebody had given me the example that um they he in particular was thinking about his brother um they had a brother who died from drug overdose Mm -hmm. and he said you know the birthday was coming up but i know my brother he's good he's got all this stuff going on and when he called him he was like i've been on the couch for two weeks and he's like i totally in my mind had this is what this person is doing now i think that we need to check in with people more often than not especially now right yeah check on the strong people i tell people that all the time Check on your, because functional depression is real. And, yeah. you know, Julius, our friend, talks about him having functional depression, meaning, like, he still can get throughout the day, he still can do his work, but there's just bouts of up and down. And a lot of his ups and downs are dependent on what he's doing at the moment, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, we do, we need to check on everybody. Especially because, when you were saying the ups and downs, the downs can go so low, so right. quick quickly and if you don't know the right people to reach out to then you know you're really not and reaching out to people I think is like that first line of defense because people will be like I know I should be exercising I should be doing this but like talking will do more you know more than we give it credit for I think so too yeah definitely we do share we had talked just briefly about um going through divorces so how is that as a therapist i was working at mercy at the time and i remember one of the secretaries i was about like six weeks in Mm -hmm. and i said you know i'm going through a divorce and she said what man you can't like you couldn't tell and i was like really i'm dying right exactly (laughs) oh no but you do like again as a therapist and Friends will say, like, I don't want to use you as a therapist, but I'm like, when I'm in my chair, mm-hmm. in my room, like, that's my work. And, like, right. I can put everything else aside. Did you notice, like, maybe even not just your divorce, but, like, mm-hmm. going through things in your own personal life and how you've managed that? 
Yeah, so I usually I try to put, you know, things that I've learned to work and, and, and really do my own work. Um, I will say with my divorce, I think the interesting thing is being it was like my first it was my first time dealing with mental illness, my mm. own mental illness. So for, for the most part, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh and I, I did live in areas that were dangerous and, you know, shootings. My mom was on drugs, but I really didn't have any like depression, anxiety growing up and things like that. And did you feel, and I don't want to interrupt you, but sure. like um, from a trauma standpoint, did you feel like there was underlying trauma? Yes. Like oh, the, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There was definitely some trauma. There was definitely some thinking that like some negative thinking and, and some negative core beliefs that I developed but like the mental illness were like I felt like I need to be on medication it affected my everyday life yes. that was very different for me mm-hmm. in, in, in this situation so um you know I went through a divorce due to a domestic violence so you know it everybody's situation is different mm-hmm. and so I felt I tell people all the time I felt like I was evicted from marriage because you know you you think you're supposed to you're going to be on this path and some, for some people it was like you know I knew I was going to get divorced but I thought I really thought my mate was going to get better at some point because mm-hmm. I was the therapist or whatever right. and so oh was, how how good we are at saying this <laughs> I was like oh just look at the string of projects right right exactly and so it, I think the interesting thing is like. After being in uh, mental health and doing therapy for like seven years, actually feeling that depression myself, mm. I was like really able to empathize with my clients and really understand what they were saying after that. Right. Um, and I really understood how important it is to take it slow and really meet the person where they were because mm. I really couldn't even pay my bills. Like when they right. said, when you're money in the account and you can't pay your bills, mm-hmm. I didn't. I was just like, okay. <laughs> I could no, and you're absolutely right. Like I can recall just being like, I just don't want to like mm-hmm. looking at it. Like I don't want to do that, and right. I don't want to talk to that person. No. And I just want to be left alone. Right. And like, what does it all matter? And right. When you exactly. go through this stuff, like it's it's difficult. It is. It's very difficult. But I will say, like you said, reaching out, having friends that reached out. I mean, that little thing was really what got me through. Mm -hmm. Like friends Mm -hmm. just texting me throughout the day. Like, I don't want to speak to you, but I just want you to know I'm here. Like, I I hear you. I'm thinking about you. Those things were very helpful. Yeah, definitely was. I think also for me, I went to a divorce support care group and I sat Mm -hmm. there and when the first time I went through it, they had like every week was a different topic, and the second yeah. week was anger, and I was like, "We don't come out of anger. This is just where I'm gonna live for the rest of my life." And right. I'm like, "Oh, well, good thing I got over that." But there's something about having people who really get it, and I yeah, was like, "Oh, it is." You never want to compare your situation, but sometimes perspective taking. It is. Yeah, it's I'm really just important. thinking like lots of people are going through lots of things, and I think like now with COVID, uh, yeah. we're all going through a lot. Yeah. Did you notice once you became divorced, you were meeting a lot more divorcees or was that just me? No, it is like the, the red car. I forget what that phenomenon <laughs> the is red called. Car thing, every time yeah. you look for a red car, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then just always sort of like having that bond of things. Because no matter what, where, whether like you're the person to leave or you're the person that's love, like it's devastating. It and is. like you said, in terms of core beliefs, it's like, okay, like I know I'll speak for myself. I was like, well, if I can't make this work then what's wrong with me like you have to make it work like why and i'm like oh wait we got together when we were 18 (laughs) like who knows themselves at 18 you know we were married at 25 so do you look at marriage different now because 
Yeah, and I feel like I look at commitments themselves because that was so, like to me it was like how how does somebody do that? How are you just like I changed my mind? Right. And especially when like our personal um story was like he was kind of unsure to begin with like well, I really like I don't want to break up, right. but do we get married? And I'm like, right. oh, you should figure that out. Yeah. So then he proposed to me and I didn't push it and so I thought, okay, like he knows. And right. then to find out like years later like no just kidding and like to be so enmeshed with a family that like you love mm-hmm. and then and after some time like i'm telling you like his mom and i were so close and then just like four years ago just don't talk anymore that's the worst and the family sucks. breaks up like divorce affects everybody and do you guys did you guys have kids at all no, no thank kids. goodness we okay. um shared custody of a dog for a while <laughs> And poor Toby would be, like, shuffled between houses. But, um, yeah, and, like, we were amicable, like, through the legal process and everything. But, Uh um, yeah, it was – and I know him as a person. I was like, he – somebody's, like, on the outskirts. You know what I mean? Like, he has a plan of action. And then, like, I did find out that there was a woman that he was dating. And um, her name's Kristen, so I don't know if that's weird for her. (laughs) Oh, my God. But he did accidentally text me a few times. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure. And I was just like, oh. And I remember the one time I was um, on my way to Florida and I got off the plane and there was a um, text. And you know how like just the last text comes up? And yeah. it was like, I'm so sorry that wasn't for you. And it was like, she was like, like making an excuse of being late or whatever. And like, I love you. And I was like. Oh, you love her? Good, good. (laughs) Like, all right, so when I got back from that trip is when I contacted the divorce lawyer. Yeah. And started looking at that process, and she, we talked about it, and um, she came back, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know if you did collaborative divorce or, like... No. The regular, I don't think you can maybe with kids, but, um, so I was like, maybe we'll go that route, and her assistant came back and whispered to her, and she goes... Oh, well, the good news is he's already filed for a divorce. And I was like, what? He has? And he didn't bother to tell me. So I asked him, he's like, well, you know, I'm doing us all a favor. And that's when I was like, oh, my gosh, like, catch your breath. Like, right. this is what's going to happen. And it was right. so emotional and Very. messy and financial. The and financial just- part. I think we need to have more conversations about that. Like, a lot of people don't realize, like, it can... A lot of people I've talked to, like, they went into debt after divorce, like, so bad. Because you, you're you so dependent on each other. Right. You know, for income. Especially if you really feel like it's going to be forever. Because I do have friends that are like, you have a joint bank account with you, the person you're married? I was just like, hey, that's what you do. Isn't that the plan? <laughs> yeah. I so. know one couple in particular that, um, through that divorce support care group, where the husband lived in the basement and they had to lock the door for financial reasons. Like, what? they couldn't afford... To have two places. Oh and wow! <laughs> so people, watch what yeah. watch what you're spending your money on. Make sure you have a little bit of a right. nest egg and because if you that's get, not fun. Yeah, if you get a mortgage, make sure one of you guys can afford it. Because the other thing, if one person gets sick. Mm-hmm. You know, that you are only dependent on one person's income. So that's one thing I did learn. Yeah. But I want to share my story about the domestic violence because it's it's interesting that um, 
domestic violence has increased because of COVID. And so there's a lot of more crisis calls because of domestic violence. Well, like um, you said, finances, right. stress, stress, people at right. home. And home is not a safe place for everybody. It's so not. I'm happy that you're bringing this up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and domestic violence goes both ways. Both men and women suffer from domestic violence. I had a male friend who had a uh, girlfriend that was very, very dangerous and, and not so nice. Um, so um, I think for me, because uh, we end up, I'm going to marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. And for that first two years before we got married, his anger had lessened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we dated four years before we actually got married. And so he never put his hands on me during that first four years of dating. He just was very angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And he was very emotional. And so I thought that would never transform into actual physical because he always would say, I'm not mad at you. I'm just I'm just mad in general. Right, I would right. never touch you. I would never put my hands on you. And so in our first two years before we got married, I mean, after, before, prior to us getting married, um, he uh, he really anger went away. It was and I thought maybe being married made that you right, know made right, him right. more happy and less jealous or whatever. So And he didn't have a history of violence. He didn't. He that? never had a history. But I don't know what happened with his ex girlfriends because here was a sign. We seen one of his ex girlfriends when we were out at a bar one day and she just looked at him and ran away crying. And I was like, what was that about? We were like together for like two years at that point and he was just like, No, she knows she did me wrong and I was just like, Okay. Um, so I don't but in know. your mind, that was a little bit suspicious. Yeah, like why would a girl look at you and just run away crying? I was like, okay. Um, so um, our first incident was in our first year, like mm-hmm. literally the first year. And you know, the first year is the hardest. Like yes. expectations. Um, you really don't know what you're doing. Did it's you like, live together before you got married? We did. We did. So so did we. And yeah. it changes. It like, does change. People say it's, and we're like, oh no, we already live together. But it's like, no, it's, no. it's. It's you different. feel it. It's different. It's expectations. Yeah. And that's why now that I'm dating, I'm like, what do you like? What don't you like? Like, I don't like dishes. Do you mind dishes being left overnight? Like, I'm asking every single little question that I know. Because <laughs> I don't want to waste no time. Like, expectations need to be on the table. Like, I'm talking about even down to children. Mm-hmm. Because he would, like, degrade me in my parenting skills. And I didn't know he had these ideas about parenting. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so every single thing should be talked about. And that pre-marriage counseling is so important. So important. I love when people come ahead of time. Because why would you... So many people come so late and it's like, you got a lot of work to do to do the work we should have been doing. Right. When, yeah. There's a tiny book, I don't know if you've heard of it, called The Hard Questions. Okay. And it's like recommended for people before moving in together. So like I recommend that to people because it brings up finances. Like, okay. Like what expectations, like... You grew up with a certain set of parents, and I grew up a different way. Right. And maybe we could talk about like inner children too, <laughs> like what do you mean? like how um, you know um, in terms of how we're raised, and oh, yeah. you know, right from a trauma background, it's like okay, wait, I developed skills as a young child mm-hmm. to, in order to protect myself, and then as adults, like they're not really necessary, necessary or yeah. useful, and they show up with your partner. They like, do. Your partner will trigger your inner child like that. Just like, wait, I didn't mean it like that. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what he will always often say. Like, you remind me of my mom. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. all the time. And I was like, I can tell. (laughs) And I don't want to be. That's the thing. I don't want to be. I don't want to. I'm not coming. I I love you. You know, I don't want to be that your mom. Right. 
Um, but there's some science behind that too, which is yeah. so fascinating that that's who we're attracted to. Right. It's like, wait, you bring out these wounds in me and I need to heal them. So let's just do it with each other. Like, right. But right. not every partner is up for that work. No. You really have to have you the have right You have to figure person. that out. Mm-hmm. Right. And I thought, the other thing was, everybody was like, date for two years. I was like, I got four years under my belt. I know this is going to work. And I was like, nah. So, yeah. <laughs> so was he violent? Yeah, so it wasn't the punch in your face or, you know, I'm always very clear about that. Um, Like, it was to pick you up and toss you across the room. Like, he even admitted after, you know, I filed for divorce that he didn't believe it was domestic violence because he didn't, like, punch or slap. Mm -hmm. And he witnessed his mom get abused for 22 years by his dad. And so what he thought was abuse was very different to what I I, I know is abuse. And you get to say that. You right. get to say, right. these are my boundaries. Right, exactly. And you have crossed them. Exactly. And I would tell him all the time, you know, as a therapist, you know, just as a person in general, I was like, I don't mind you being mad at the things that you're mad at. It's what you do with those, those things that is a problem. You right. know what I mean? I never told you not to feel and not to be upset about whatever you're upset of, but I'm a, we need to figure it out and have a solution. Yeah. Like, you can't respond like in the way you did. So yeah, we had about five incidents before I had to call it quits and, and, and just say, I can't do this anymore. So how did he react to that? So my therapist, we, we had to come up with a plan cause he actually knows, you know, he knew him. He went to count. We went to counseling together, but I liked him so much. I kept him as my therapist. I want to talk about <laughs> your therapist too when we're done with this. Okay. <laughs> So he was like, yeah, he has some narcissistic tendencies. So I want to make sure you're away when he gets served. Mm-hmm. So we planned it for me to be in Florida when he got served the divorce papers. So to give he, him some space. Yeah. To process. But, right. So he wanted to make sure I was safe and the kids were safe. So, um, but I made sure his sister was on standby too, to make sure, because he has made threats against himself too. So, mm-hmm. you know, it ended up working out. He did call me. He was very upset. I can tell he was just like crying his eyes out. I, I just had to, you mm-hmm. know, just for the safety of myself and the kids, you know, it was, it is very traumatic, very traumatic. Do you think that having your kids helped you make that decision? So I, you- I didn't want it to. And that's the thing that I, I, I always thought about. Like, I wanted to be my decision. I didn't want it to be because I was embarrassed. Because I think the thing about domestic violence, people have to understand. They're like, why do people go back? There's so many different reasons they go back. And I think... I think it's important for that person to make that decision because they don't want to, you don't want them to live with regret and resentment and things like that. And there's so many other options. Like now thinking back, like we could have just lived in separate homes and maybe seen how, if he would have ever, you know, worked it out and maybe dated and he, he suggested it now, but it's too late. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't really see him in that way anymore. But yeah, once you lose that, you don't feel bad. You know, you just lose a lot of respect, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like uh, one thing people don't talk about is they get married for love, but you also should get married for respect too. Like the person you love, you should respect. And I lost a lot of respect for who he was and just how he responded after the fact, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, he took me for child support because I made more like he, he took me for spousal support, which, you know, a lot of people don't talk about. And I end up meeting a lot of women who was playing spousal support, but everybody talks about how, you know, men pay it and it's happening on both ends. So, yeah so messy like all of the things all of it. <laughs> and that's why therapy ahead of time is useful because it is there are things that come up in therapy that you might not have otherwise thought of and mm-hmm. especially i love doing couples counseling now because people will be like oh i didn't think about it that way and right. 
The first question I ask when a couple comes in is I'll say to the one side of the couch, like, why does he want to be here? Or why does she want to be here? And then that helps them reframe like, oh, wait, they're asking to sit on this couch for a reason. It's just not about me and what I expect to change about them. Right. There's a certain level of accountability, I feel like, goes along with, like, doing that kind of work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny. My friend literally just texted me yesterday and was like, is there any therapist who see just regular couples? And I'm like, you can go, you and your boyfriend can go to a therapist anytime you want. So we need to break that stigma yes. too that you have to be married. Right. No, right. you can go before. You can go with your roommate and you're platonic. You're not even right. sleeping together. You right. know what I mean? You can go Thank with your you. mom. You can go right. with whoever, like any relationship. And I talk to individuals. I'll say, you're free to invite anybody into this room. Right. But we're going to talk about why. Right. <laughs> and how it's going to serve your growth and treatment right and it's not going to be about that person but exactly. if you guys decide we want to do family or we want to do whatever like i feel like sitting down with a therapist is just so useful it is for any type of relationship and you want the right therapist so especially right. with couples counseling some therapists will be like yeah i see couples it's like do you mm. let them sit and fight on your couch because right. it's an easy hour or are you really so you want to do like some research and asking good questions right um so yeah, I wanted to talk to you quickly, or not quickly, about your therapist and how okay. you chose him. And I was reading an article lately about race and showing mm-hmm. up, race showing up in the therapy session, and yeah. it was like, oh my gosh, yes! Like shame on me for not bringing this up in the intake about yeah. like. So I think that we're growing and evolving, right. and it was also the other end of the um, article was saying for. Um, clients who are coming in that are black like ask your therapist like what is the work that you're doing because i have a friend who um she's black female and Mm -hmm. she said the last person i would see is a white female for therapy and i was like oh interesting and she's like i want a black female like for certain reasons and i bring this up because at the end she sees a white female therapist (laughs) (laughs) because there's not enough i mean as much as if every single person decided to go, every single black person that's had to go to therapy just just wouldn't be enough right. and we have to be realistic about that and i tell black people all the time like you have to be really open and so i think finding somebody that can empathize with you that is willing to be humble enough to say they don't know something and not try right. to act like they know everything right. about race and relationship and black black culture you know what i mean so just because i think a lot of that in the therapy office comes from questioning exactly client. you know right. what i mean you right. have to understand it from somebody else's point of view right mm-hmm. right so i do have a white male this <laughs> and i had we started off with a black male that didn't work out because he felt like he was siding with me um and Mm. that was probably just the ego speaking i have Um. a client who they needed family and her brother was the primary caregiver of his son Uh and so they wanted some parenting and i suggest i said oh i know a good black male therapist Mm -hmm. and she goes oh that would be perfect and she came back and she said he won't do it he said i don't want somebody telling me how to raise my son so there's ego involved in that too so what one person might assume is a good match is not it's not Mm -hmm. it's not not at all and then our second one, we had two black females, did not work out. And the one we both was just like, whoo, she's terrible. I, don't know, I think she should just try another profession. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, what makes the therapist terrible? <laughs> she was so loud and she was just so like blunt and she was telling us how we felt. And I was just <laughs> like, this is not how this goes. And of course, I don't go in there and say I'm a therapist. I never, because 
with the first therapist, I said it. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, he felt like I was siding with He was siding with oh, me. Uh-huh. So now I never say anything. And so we went through like four people and then we found him, my therapist I have now, and we loved him. And you kept him in the divorce? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Afterwards. I keep the therapist. Yes. I got the dog. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I asked him, did he want to still see him? He was like, no. And of course, because he feels like he sides more. He was like, therapy's always about me, but you are abusing somebody. This, right. That's a huge well, issue. Well, <laughs> I call it the three A's. Abuse, addiction, adultery. If those yeah. three things are happening, you can't do couples therapy. You need right. an individual. Like, right. That's really and a exactly. personal yeah, journey that you have and to I would I really wish I would have did the whole what do you call it when you give somebody a, um, a ultimatum yeah. and said you know either you go to individual counseling or we're over if I would have did that earlier I it might have saved our relationship but I don't go with the hold on would have so could have so whatever but I, I think everything is a lesson for somebody else so Absolutely. I will tell people and, it, and, and not if it's domestic violence but just with anything like if you can get somebody to do individual early that might save your relationship or save you some heartache. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think about our couple's therapist, which, oh, and it makes me so mad because I chose her. <laughs> I was like, Why? damn it. She was my couple's um, therapy teacher, professor at Pitt. Oh, okay. And she taught um, the Gottman Method, which I love John Gottman and his work. Too. And that's just, it's really like, it's scientific based. Like mm-hmm. there's, actual work that you're doing it's not like again that back and forth so I went in with the expectation that that's what we were going to get and we didn't she didn't use any of that in her sessions and I didn't say anything to it which again like you said looking back I should have like should have could have whatever things work out the way they are supposed to right but it was so interesting to me because we were not not getting along but like we went in for therapy the one day and he was like looking at the therapist and he's like well I'm gonna leave and I was like, um, I'm sitting over here. Are you talking? To, are you leaving this room? Like, right, what are you right. talking about? So that's how I found out in our therapy office. And then she continued to see the both of us individually for a little bit, okay. uh, just a couple of times. Because the first time I went in, she was like, you know, he's really throwing himself into his work, and he like things aren't going well. So don't think like. And I was like. This is inappropriate. It's like, not. I don't give a shit what he's talking Don't about. Yeah. It and so then I thought, like, no, we need a break from this. So yeah. I, I got my own therapist after that. Yeah, it's like it's crazy to me what some therapists do. Yeah. And then when people come from other, you know, situations and they're like, oh, you talk good. But my last therapist <laughs> right. didn't talk. I'm like, <laughs> what? What are you paying I for? <laughs> I'm like, what are you paying for? <laughs> like, I, I've heard that several from several people. Or, you know, they give them advice. Like, we're not supposed to be giving advice. Like, they're going to come back and be like, you ruined my life. Right. (laughs) Or you're either going to be the greatest person or the worst person. There is no in-between. Right, right, right. We talk a lot about choices. I'm sure you do, too. Like, you... You've got a lot of options. Right. You might not like all of them. Let's right. throw them on the table and see what you want to go with. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I always... You like analogies like I do. Like, I'm always like, I'm in the passenger seat, but you're driving. Right. Exactly. I I'm definitely gonna, like that one. Not going to take on that responsibility. So, in terms of culture and race and the Black Lives Matter, like, mm-hmm. what do you see... Ashley, my friend that was on before, I said... Hold on, I'm going to put on the um, microphone because she said, I believe that all racism is mental health. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, like I Mm -hmm. feel that there are a lot of 
just generational like where are you growing up who are you growing up with like who's educating you what access do you have like even in terms of music and reading and culture like a lot of people just they don't grow up with access especially in pittsburgh so i'm happy that you grew up in pittsburgh because i'm like you gotta seek it out people (laughs) you do you do yeah, but well, you know what? Allegheny County has some really good mental health resources. We are pretty yeah. lucky that I, they and they have they have a lot of understanding of mental health. I will say that yeah. compared to other places I've been, places I went to do trainings and stuff like it's it's really good here. But I think it, there's definitely some truth to that because I think we all always have to take it back to the root. And the root is when somebody is born, they're not born with hate in their heart. They're not born with any type of idea of who they are or who they're going to be. They're just giggles and smiles, right? Mm-hmm. And so we just got to go back to thinking about the babies and how they grow up and developed into these people. Mm-hmm. And, and what they, so that person and environment is so important. And so I know a lot of, you know, people in the Black Lives Matter movement, they get really upset because they feel like saying that um, racism is a mental health issue is justifying it. But that doesn't mean those people who are racist shouldn't go to jail for being racist or doing whatever thing that they do towards Mm -hmm. other people or whatever violence they have towards other people. But what we're saying is at the root, they've been manipulated and their mental health like is kind of skewed in a way that makes them think that way. Like to think that your skin is inferior inferior to somebody else I mean superior to somebody else it's just it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. it logically doesn't make sense you cut if I cut you or you cut me we're both going to bleed the same right and so is you've been manipulated manipulated in such a way that you feel that you are above somebody and it makes you feel good right so your your serotonin and your endorphin everything goes off when you hear that you're superior to to somebody else Mm -hmm. and so that's a self-esteem issue as well you know right like the video i posted on my instagram a couple days ago maybe a few weeks ago where it said who are you if you erase your your skin color you know talking to you know white people or people who feel like they are um better than others like who are you once you remove those things who are you once you remove the money the house, mm-hmm. you know, the things that people respect about you because you have. Once you remove that, if you move, if you're just in your naked body, who are you? Right. Yeah, and you just had to ask people that. Um, so racism is a whole lot of things. Uh, it's absolutely. a whole lot of things. And I think that, in, so in my mind, I sort of break it into categories. Right. So okay. I feel like they, you have the overtly racist people who right. love being racist. Right. They don't give a shit. Like, right. The videos are just disgusting to me, right. like of just how people inhumanely treat other people, and it's what you said, fear-based. And yeah. there's a brokenness about those kind of people. Like mm-hmm. I've been to like out in the sticks and heard, you know, conversations about people who mm-hmm. don't have any um, connection even with like anybody of color their whole life, and like right. so based on what like some fear that you have of somebody taking something that's yours, and just so much anger yeah. and like. Not just anger at like anger at their wives, or right. like when we talk about domestic violence, like at the hands of we've talked about like law enforcement or white men, right? A lot yeah. of white, you know what I mean. So I just feel like this the violence and the hate is just coming from a sense of unworthiness. It is absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And don't tell them that because yeah. they'll be like, oh no, that's not it. Right. So I like so I have that category, but then and now this is what gives me like some hope and like really willingness to show up and do work with people that uh, the majority of, I think we've talked about this before too, like my clients who are white who live in primarily suburban areas, Mm -hmm. they're like, 
I don't um, have, like, you navigate your life. Like, if you're living in Gibsonia, like, right. how often are you going to the August Wilson Center to see right. a play? Right. Or, you know what I mean? And yeah. so there's so many opportunities. And I want to tell all the listeners out there, like, especially in a place like Pittsburgh, you have to cross the bridge. You do. You have you to do. go downtown. Like, you have to seek out, like, because yeah. communities can only support, like, other communities. And mm-hmm. so, like, it, within that group of people, there is that shame of privilege and you know like even some people went as far to be like i refuse to enjoy anything i'm I'm a privileged person and Uh, i don't deserve it yeah no we don't want you to do that (laughs) this one woman said to me christy please tell anybody who says that like starving kids don't feel better if you don't eat exactly right (laughs) Right? let's not do that you need your strength to eat if you're going to help us fight this fight yes and seek out black owned businesses and be known and like you know what i mean that's how you support people. Right. It's not about like, oh, let's let's be like a white savior. Let's feel bad. Can you talk about like white saviors and how that's different from yeah. <laughs> being a support? Because I think there's confusion there. Right. So white saviors, they get in their own emotions and they actually do a pity party for themselves. But they feel like the pity party is also going to make them, you know, people of color more accepting of them. Mm-hmm. But like you said, they don't put a lot of the support behind it. Right. And then some of them, some white savers, they'll come along and they'll p- provide some type of support or some type type of money and t- to feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's really like no longevity to it. Like mm-hmm. it's just like I'm I'm here in the moment. I'm the face and I'm helping these people and we don't need that either Mm -hmm. like we need we basically need you to do what is directed and we need you to listen and tell you because we are often told what we need Mm -hmm. as far as to you know get past racism and to better our communities when a lot of us know what our issues are we just need support in that like you said we need finances in that like um, I just did a therapy workbook and um, you know Elevating things like that for mm-hmm. our communities to heal and elevating things that we come up with because right now if I talk to a lot of my nonprofit um, Friends a lot of them say, you know, they'll get money But they'll get like pennies on a you know on a dime and they'll offer them like they'll, they'll request 70,000 because they have this magnificent programming But because they're so small, they'll give them 5,000 you know what I mean? And so we really need people to be intentional and listen to us when we say we do have some solutions for ourselves. Yeah. So. Is there any solution or two that comes to the top of your head? Like when you think about like our Pittsburgh communities? Um, I would say for mental health. Mental health is, we need that for our black communities. And we need more money put behind, you know, supporting mental health. And also we need the insurance companies to let up. <laughs> For real, like we really need y'all to let up so we can get we can heal our communities because a lot of the violence and a lot of the uh, poverty issues that again all communities have mm-hmm. right because it's not just our community it can be solved by you know mental health therapy it could be solved by healing from the inside out you know what I mean just I have great visions of just like humongous and I think about Millville has a really good community center it's a yeah. beautiful like building and they have like food drives and everything and like just really. What our society, I believe, is lacking is community. Yeah, like, we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about like just hosting groups or things like that, people want to be connected with people. Yes, we they just do. don't know how to do that. And like social media has kind of pushed that away. But I think people are coming back to it with COVID saying like, right. oh my gosh, you take it away. Like, I really want to be around people and no. I want to help yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's absolutely true. I had so many friends that was like, anywhere you invite me, I'm coming this time. <laughs> I'm I was in, cracking I'm in, up. I'm I was in. like, yeah, you, 
you wish you would have came with us the last year and a half, huh? Um, but how beneficial is it to know that you belong and that somebody cares? Yeah. So like having elders to mm-hmm. help with the kids. Yep. Or, but you know what I mean? I just like, again, like it's probably a Pollyanna, like let's all come together as a community. But the, when my ex-husband and I got divorced, we were living out in Oakdale by the airport and we were in like a community thing. Yeah. You never, we met our next door neighbor two years after we moved in. Like, this wow. is the state of the world that we're it living is. in. Like, people are just but, in their own little bubbles. But here's the thing. This is white supremacy. is divide and conquer. And it's working. Like, yeah. every, if you talk to most people, they feel like it's an every man for itself. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. We no lo- longer vote on the greater good of the people. I've asked several, even social workers, how do you vote? What do you look at? Mm-hmm. And they said, I vote based on my income or I vote based on what my family needs. I vote based... When do we need to start voting based on what is the greater good of everybody, right? And white supremacy is not it. It's not, it hasn't been working and it's not going to work. It doesn't work in anyone's favor. And I think that's what white people have to understand as well as white poor people, right? Yeah. And because they look up to, you know, not all of them, of course, mm-hmm. but some of them do, you know, idolize like Donald Trump and other, you know, rich, famous white people. But you actually have more in common with people of color who are in the neighborhoods next to you mm-hmm. or who, who are working class everyday yeah. people you have more common with them and so they know what they're doing at the top and they're they're making themselves idols and you know some of us have to realize like I'm kind of worshiping that person in a way and I'm looking up to that person who wouldn't even shake my hand if I think about it you right. know what I mean um, and so we just need to really come together like you said we need community we need more community and opportunities to come together and just have conversations and less fighting. Yes. Did you watch Filthy Rich? I just started it. I'm on episode two. <laughs> I was like, oh Lord my Lord have mercy. Right? And it's just this idea of if I have money and power, I do whatever I yeah, want. Yeah, exactly. And so mm-hmm. it's just so very sad. And some know. people idolize that. They want that. They want to do whatever they want. And that's not the life that you want to live. Trust me. No. It's not. It, them people are miserable in the inside. You can't. Well, some people are narcissistic enough to just think they're just gifts to God right. and they deserve that lifestyle. But, um, you know, you go pursuing that, you'll be in jail quicker than anybody else. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of categories, definitely. I think about, like, so the the biggest thing in couples therapy is codependence and narcissists. Yes. Like, they yes. are, there's a book called The Human Magnet Syndrome. Yeah. Like, it's the dance that we do. Mm-hmm. So, but I, this author in particular calls it emotional manipulators okay so if you look at people in your lives like who are the takers who are the givers right and the takers are always going to take and the yeah. givers are never going to be like setting their own boundaries so i think in our own lives that's something we can do to look and say right exactly what you said does this person have anything in common with me like and why do we need to idolize anybody right exactly right it's just like not being who we are exactly you should be looking into yourself like I tell my clients all the time, think about when you were young. What did you dream about being? Like, who did mm-hmm. you dream about being? And now look at yourself right now. Like, how far are you removed from that person? And why have you changed your your path? And a lot of people will say, well, this happened. I got a girl pregnant. Or I, I did this. Or I accidentally, you know, got a DUI. And so now I can't do those things. And so I just want them to go back to dreaming like they did as kids. Um, because... And, and my, my therapist said something that was really powerful. He said, my job is to instill hope in you. I'm not here to fix you. 
my job is to instill hope in you so you can continue to be who you are mm -hmm. like your best self you know what i mean and which I is think always that's so changing careful. yeah because yeah. i think people get like uh -huh. hung up on that too like oh well i picked this so i have to stick with right it. Like, absolutely you might grow and go a different way so, it, exactly because okay. we are still you know regardless of where we are in life we're right where we're supposed to be we definitely are. Yeah. But I just try to get them to go back to remember how they used to dream. Because that's so important. That hopefulness and just that free thinking without social media in mind or the mm -hmm. news in mind. And all these, you know, messages that we get from, from day to day. Like, I literally don't watch TV anymore because I hate commercials. I literally don't <laughs> watch TV for that reason. I don't blame you. <laughs> I hate commercials. Oh I hate being God. advertised to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and we're, we're living advertisements. Wherever yeah. you turn, it's like... You're not good enough without right. this, without right. this. Like, make your skin look like this. Make right. your hair look like this. You have to wear this. You have to be this size. It's yep. just like, and that creates shame for people. Like, it does. I'm not good enough unless I can do this. Shame and a whole lot of mental health disorders. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Real quick before we go, I wanted to bring up Kanye and what yeah. your thoughts are. <laughs> so, you know, I think a lot of people have to realize what mental illness like that doesn't negate who that person is right Kanye West is still talented he's still amazing he still has amazing music he's still you know the person that we grew up knowing but he's just mentally compromised right now right. and so I wrote a very long post on Facebook about because a lot of people love to say Kanye West hasn't been the same since his mom died mm. no Kanye West is bipolar and he's mm. always been he's been bipolar for a very very long time if you watch his interviews on YouTube he talks about how his mom helped him regulate his medication and that she was there for him and he was supposed to get on medication when he was five years old mm -hmm. and so a lot of people don't want to believe he's bipolar they don't want to believe he's this person but that is what severe mental illness illness look like these tweets that he's doing two minutes after each other saying the most bizarre things like that is mental illness that is bipolar and again everybody I never want to make it seem like everybody with bipolar will, will respond the way that he do and I do think it's important to separate some of his characteristics from his mental illness because mm -hmm. somebody you said something about that and I do I don't know sometimes you do have a blur of what part of this is the behavior and what's part of this is the illness but at the end of the day i think we all need to recognize that this man is mentally ill and he needs help and, and that, not to make fun of him yeah you know exactly I mean? like just it's some very people serious. are so mean and hateful and right. i one time i went on uh, the new the regular news on facebook just to look at the comments and it was like yeah something terrible that happened to a family and the comments like yeah. people yeah you really just have nothing better to do with your life than to sit behind a computer screen and hate on people like That's, that i mean when i see stuff like that i'm like it's self-worth depression like you said just hopelessness that's why people do mm -hmm. that you yeah know, they have there's a lot of mental health issues going on with a lot of people who sit back and do stuff like that well and so quick to judge and so quick right. to be like i'm the expert so we got a ton of experts in infectious diseases right now <laughs> right. we have a ton of experts in will and jada's <laughs> right. relationship we've got a ton of you know right. everybody yeah. wants to know something it's like the um what do they call it? The Monday morning quarterback or something like right. that? Like, here's what Ben did wrong and right. I should be in there calling the shots. So. No, it is true. It's absolutely 100% true. So my, my underlying message is that we have a lot of Kanye West's in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Like, we have a lot of people um, with mental illness in Pittsburgh and in our own families and that 
we need to start recognizing the symptoms like just as much as we do like um a lot of research and education on like history or whatever we need to start looking into mental illness even if you're a therapist or not because these people are going to need your help and we are about to go into a huge mental health crisis Mm -hmm. we're already in a pandemic and you know we have the medical crisis but the mental health piece is there and it's starting to get back and even worse you know tamar braxton just uh, attempted suicide and nick cannon had Mm -hmm. indicated that he might take his life and you know put that he's in heaven right now and so we have to be really um cautious and aware that this is what's happening and 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 know that it's not going to make the news just like you see covid numbers every single day it's not going to be on the news the suicide attempts and um things are not going to be on the news and and but but it's happening i want people to know it's well and actually i just told jessica of one Mm -hmm. that happened just yesterday and this is just somebody who was like turned away from the medical emergency room because mm-hmm. there was nothing medically wrong with them. And I think that we have so much work to do mm-hmm. with law enforcement, with, you know, right. emergency room doctors, with anybody. And, like, I have a friend who was treating people um, for COVID in New York, and she had a woman who was Spanish-speaking, and she brought her over, like, the um, the interpreter TV, oh, yeah. and the woman sobbed and said, for three days, nobody gave me an interpreter. And it's like, so in schools, (laughs) I was a teacher, like, and I feel like mental health fell through the cracks in schools and mental health falls through the crack in hospitals. And I think we just need to have a lot of conversations because what Jessica said is absolutely true. People are struggling and a lot of them aren't talking about it. Mm -hmm. And so unless they feel like you're a safe person, uh, being able to normalize that to your friends and family. I mean, you're home all the time. Mm -hmm. Might as well do it. And doing your own work. I love that you talk about the hopes and dreams one thing that i do and i encourage my clients to do is get a picture your favorite picture of your four-year-old self yeah and like hang that on your refrigerator and every day be like i got you like today we're gonna make some good decisions we might not make the best but like that's why journaling and stuff like that is so important like listening to your own thoughts and just remembering who you are and just being with yourself is so important yeah absolutely and being with you today was so lovely thank you so much we will have you back yes we have lots of mental health discussions yes let's do it let's do it (laughs) and um so real quick if you want to share um your website we'll link everything but like let everybody know where to find you yeah so um my instagram is at tritherapy underscore swcc and then my website is www.mentalhealthtease.com dot us again mental health tees and that's dot us and i know it says dot us but we do ship um outside of the us as well um but yeah that's how you can and find they're me. so cute we <laughs> love rocking them so. and we have the free therapy workbook on my website oh now. great yeah. yes that's a wonderful resource yeah. everybody get it and stay in touch with jessica thank you thank you again <laughs> Thank you for listening to Conversations to Connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com, or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.